0: fm to get started
2: throw on a wedding dress and rock your rainbow hair we're talking uncensored 1997 you listen to them now hang out with us this is after 83 weeks with christy olson that's me you're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Well, hello, everybody, and to all of you who didn't know about Dennis Robin wearing that wedding dress <laughs> oh. that one time, there's your explanation there. Welcome to After 83 Weeks. Thank you so much for coming to hang out <laughs> with us. This is a show for everybody who loves 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. To come, we talk about all the big reveals, we get the fan reactions, and we will also be having... Having Eric Bischoff himself calling in in just a little bit to answer all of your questions, which you can always send to us using hashtag after 83 weeks. My name is Christy and Let me introduce you to the panel. First off, he runs the YouTube channel for 83 weeks and a lot of your other favorite wrestling stars. His name is Steve Kaufman.
1: My name is Steve Kaufman. I have never worn a wedding dress. <laughs>
2: Okay, noted, noted. And this guy is a 13-year veteran of the professional wrestling biz. You can also see him on TV's SmackDown After Show. Hello, Christian Rosenberg.
0: I once wore a prom dress as a sketch in a sketch.
2: Ooh, I like, this is so juicy already.
0: Someone is finding,
1: someone is pulling that image right now.
2: (laughs) All right. That would be
1: a wonderful sight to see.
2: All right, we're 0-2, so how about the encyclopedia of professional wrestling? He is also an indie star. (laughs) Hello, George Hermosa. I did.
3: I did dye my hair blonde one time. That's probably the closest to the hair. It was a weird weekend. You called him a star.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we had fun with that one, guys. (laughs) And now on to uncensored 1997. We're going to be breaking down everything they said about this show, and uh, we got a lot to talk about this time. Not just Dennis Rodman. We got to talk about Mark Madden and uh, we want to remind you guys that we are on the 83 Weeks channel. Make sure you hit subscribe, give us a little thumbs up, and you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts if that's how you like to listen to things and stuff. Leave a little comment, and we will always shout you out on the show. we love to do that. And now let's uh, hop in our little time machine and go back to 1997, oh. where WCW is on fire. Oh, you're excited about that, huh? No,
3: no I, I'm excited to see Doc Brown and get in this time machine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perfect. All right, here we go. WCW is hot right now. Turner is not paying them too much mind. They're not telling them what to do and what not to do. And, of course, one of the hottest celebrities on the planet, a guy who's causing trouble, he's making headlines, one Dennis Rodman. What do you guys remember about Dennis Rodman and WCW? Like, when that comes up, what is your reaction?
1: I remember this was on the 5 o'clock news. That's huge. That Dennis Rodman got in the ring and wrestled was literally shown on the 5 o'clock news. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, that's how big a deal this was. That's how much press they were purchasing with Dennis Rodman. It was a big deal because
3: uh, they were in the middle of a basketball season.
1: <laughs> like, yes. it wasn't, this wasn't during the offseason. This mm-hmm. was literally,
3: they probably had a game, like, the day before or, like, two yeah. days afterwards. Like, this is literally in the middle of the season, of a championship season, uh, between, you know, the Bulls. So, it's, like, the second of the three-peat. And
0: they were little in the middle of it. For, for people who, who might f- uh, f- follow me on, on social media, the one thing I might love just as much, if not more, than wrestling is basketball in the NBA. That's And so, you know, like when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, every morning while getting ready for school, I would be watching Sports Center. And I remember the Sports Center where they showed highlights of WCW with Dennis Rodman, And like, my two worlds are colliding. (laughs) This is the most amazing thing ever. It was such a huge deal.
2: Well, that's cool. That's cool. And actually, he kind of made his way into WCW through Hulk Hogan because he was a huge fan. I feel like we hear that about almost everyone that they talk about coming into WCW on this show. Eric's like, well, yeah, you know, Hulk was a friend, or he was a fan of Hulk, or Hulk was a fan, or whatever, so, you know, we put Hulk on it, and, the, uh, and we locked it down. Essentially,
3: that's why they brought in Hulk Hogan in 94. Like, you know, back when he brought him in, Mr. T came in, mm-hmm. I think Muhammad Ali did a thing. Shaquille O'Neal was at, you know, the back of the 94, you know? That's why they brought Hogan in, because he did have all these friends, and, you know, again, now, fast forward, you got Dennis Rodman and Rodzilla, or Rod the Bod. <laughs>
0: Rodzilla.
2: And this kind of reminiscent of now, I guess, of like a a Rob Gronkowski just being a big fan and then popping up on uh, Mania? No, I
0: I don't think it's... Gronk is not nearly as big of a deal as as Rom was because Uh. because Gronk is a character, no doubt about that, but he doesn't really break the law, per se, and get in trouble on the field. He, he's a partier mm-hmm. um, and, but he, and he's a very good athlete, but Rahman was the one like, oh, now we got to follow him around, because here he is suspended again. Here he is mm-hmm. in on E dating Carmen Electra or Madonna or whoever, and so you put that, plus the fact that he was one of the top athletes at the time right. and basketball is the one sport really where everyone recognizes everyone because they're not wearing a helmet or a hat. So plus you have multicolored hair, so that makes you stand out even more. So this is a much bigger deal in Gronk, and it just, it literally in the middle of the season. In the middle like, of the like season, even <laughs> fast forward a few months after All Star Break. Even even fast forward a few
3: months when he came back and you know to build up for the Bash of the Beach '97, he showed up like two days after they won the championship. Yeah, this was in the midst of their second three P. Yeah.
2: And this was a timing thing, too, because two weeks before WrestleMania, WCW makes the cover of all the headlines and the posts and everything with this news about Dennis Rodman. Can you imagine if right now they are strong on the road to WrestleMania? That's all we hear about. Can you imagine if right now...
1: LeBron James was on an MLW show.
2: Thank you. Sure. <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to come up with a good sporty thing. I so know, thank no,
1: you. That works. Not, in, not notice. I didn't even bother with Impact. I went straight. To, I'm surprised you didn't go but eight, it's it. Not even LeBron James. Because, does like, TV. Yeah. LeBron
3: James is not even. He, he's on. He's on the news for for maybe the wrong reasons as far as sports goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman was in the news for the wrong reasons for everything, not just <laughs> yeah. sports, but for like you know maybe like publicity wise, like marrying himself and marrying, you know releasing a book and whatnot, like. That's beyond sports.
2: So can you imagine, though, how detrimental it would be to WWE and WrestleMania right now if all anyone else could talk about was the other company? Uh-huh. Well, especially
0: being... It wasn't also... The Chicago article came out about it. Mm-hmm. Ramen played for the Chicago Bulls, and WrestleMania was taking place in Chicago. Uh-huh. So it was it was a perfect storm for WCW and- to get the get this one over and the, the fact movie. that
3: there were talks um, of like WWF and Dennis Rodman doing business together yeah uh, going back
0: to I think the previous year where it was supposed to be like Rodman and Goldas teaming together something, mm-hmm. something like something like that extent um, I that blew my mind when they said that on this podcast. Yeah. I didn't know about it until then, and I'm like, Goldust oh, and Robin would have been so perfect.
1: WWF pr- in the '90s pre Mike Tyson didn't really get celebrity down. They tried to get OJ Simpson for goodness' sakes. Mm, they, they they tried to do a lot. Like, like there was the a lot of shocking, even, but the fact that it even got brought up, like really. But I'm saying like the people who actually ended. come through, like the William Shatner thing was really lame. Whoa! Tra- whoa. There, was, there was a bunch whoa, of whoa, '90s WWF stuff. Hey, hey. stuff. But, okay, then. We'll agree
0: to disagree the on fake that. fake Sammy Hagar? Yes. Yes, that is. Fake Sammy Hagar. That's number two on this you ne- list. You never saw that? What
3: was the fake Sammy Hagar? There was
0: They booked someone who they thought was Sammy, Sammy Hagar to do like a guest ring announcing for an event, and it wasn't Sammy Hagar. Oh, I no idea. somebody got
1: on him. On him. Oh, Thank God. me later.
0: Also, if you're the fake Sammy Hagar, we will interview you.
2: Oh, for well, sure.
1: I run on multiple YouTube pages. I'll find a place for this interview, sir. <laughs> we'll get an interview. We'll
0: figure it out. Steve will take care of that interview. <laughs>
2: All right, so Robin's kind of on his way in. A couple of guys are on their way out. Arn Anderson had to retire from in-ring action around this time. And also, one of of our favorite guys to talk about, someone who inspired us to do the Macarena a long time ago when we first started this show, one Disco, Hmm. who we learn is fired for, basically for refusing to lose to Jacqueline. There's a lot of talk about that on this show, a lot like, oh... Um, People say he wouldn't do the job. People say so-and-so wouldn't do the job. And Eric's usually like, no, it wasn't like that at all. In this case, he admitted that that was the issue, and it saw Disco out the door.
0: For, like, a month.
2: Yeah. Mm. So you guys weren't, this didn't seem, this wasn't uh, breaking news to you? No, because
0: honestly,
3: like, when he came back, and he came back, and they gave him the TV championship, they, like, referenced it on a promo one time on Nitro. And then they actually ended up did having a match on 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 pay per view, and it just yeah, yeah, not new news, but like I did, I I don't know why they kind of singled out Disco. Like, like I always thought he was a good talent. Like weird gimmick that maybe didn't have much legs, but I thought as far as entering, I thought he was not that he, bad. I don't
0: know why they came around that time of year he dumb. would get a good reaction from the crowd, whether they cared or not. Yeah, he was yeah. over. As weird as the gimmick was, he was over.
2: So, do you think him losing to Jacqueline would have really had that big of an no. effect? No, I, mean, I don't. Did, not I
3: did at all. It, it didn't when it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it did eventually happen. Yeah. Right.
1: But was was the issue solely that he didn't want to lose to Jacqueline, or he didn't want to lose? To, wasn't it a TV match with no build?
2: He did know. see. He did. I think Eric did say that um, Disco's problem was that it didn't. It didn't make sense. Yeah, like he like, or there was no reason.
3: No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> based on Disco's comments not too long ago, I mean, he probably just didn't flat out didn't want to lose to Jackie.
2: What did Disco say? Not he said that women's are some tucks. yeah. That's
1: right. It was like two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. um... I'm still caught up on the Bruce Pritchard show about Jerry Lawler. That Jerry Lawler playing himself in Man on the Moon cost Disco Inferno a check. Yeah. Because they were going to hire Disco Inferno to play Jerry Lawler in a Jim Carrey movie. I didn't know that. And then Jerry Lawler... I know we're, we're melding universes here, but we're talking about Disco Inferno. And it would have been roughly around this time, 98, 99, like 97, yeah. late 97. Disco Inferno got fired from WCW and, and missed out on a check. Sad. Within a 12-month period... Partially because Jerry Lawler was able to play a younger version of himself.
0: How dare Jerry Lawler play himself in a movie? <laughs>
1: How dare Jerry Lawler inform the man on the moon team that he still exists?
2: <laughs> and can we, play himself. We listen to all the podcasts around here. And bit. we also, you know what else we do? We do our research. And this Mark Madden thing Oof. was like so fascinating to me. So, okay, this was part of the WWF versus WCW lawsuit. And Mark Madden, who was A Pittsburgh like radio sports talk show host personality guy he also did some stuff for the WCW hotline at one point he was subpoenaed and he asserted that his journalistic privilege would protect him from having to reveal his sources on trial and the issue of whether or not he was actually a journalist is what kind of became the the talking point and the court eventually ruled, this is so funny you guys, Madden's activities in this case cannot be considered reporting, let alone investigative reporting. By his own admission he's an entertainer, not a reporter, disseminating new disseminating hype, not news.
0: Boom.
1: Yeah. Boom.
2: Take that. <clears throat> dirt sheet guys, people call yourselves journalists, all that. I don't know, this is just... You
0: love dirt sheets, what are you talking
2: I about? <laughs> do. I do. You guys don't seem to think this is was uh, quite as juicy. As I, I
1: like this a lot. I liked... Because very rarely do dirt sheet people in any stripe get called into court yeah. in, our, in our world. Like, more mm-hmm. often than not, they just kind of get buried or fed misinformation or made to look silly or just or just kind of, like, made fun of in the wide variety of the world. That it's really, really cool to actually hear what would happen. The, the legal mind of myself is very curious. What would happen if somebody who was misreporting, a, like, misreporting something actually got took to court? In the wrestling business. Because the closest we got was the CM Punk um, podcast, the CM Punk Colt trial. With the trainer. Yeah. Yes, which I also found fascinating. Like, I was reading those reports every day.
0: <laughs> like, just, yeah.
2: like, imagine if our jails were filled with dirt sheet, sad dirt sheet writers, instead of, like, people who committed But then who crime? would live in Mom's basement? Oh! Boom! Savage! <laughs> Whew! I'm just saying, guys. I'm just saying. Oh, jeez, Louise. Okay, well, since we already got in our time machine, let's let's speed it up a little bit. Let's get, on that note, on on that incredibly mean note, let's get to Uncensored 1997. Uh, Eric did note that he loved the way the show opened with Tony, Bobby, and Dusty, and that they really set the stakes. You guys, we have a lot of fun talking about commentary on hearings. is something that you, Christian, have a lot of experience in. Did that stick out to you guys in this pay-per-view, too? Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, you got, you know, um, Bobby Heenan, uh, arguably the greatest color commentator of all time, my mind, the greatest color commentator of all time, Dusty Rhodes, who everyone says is one of the most brilliant minds in all of wrestling, and Tony Schiavone, arguably one of the most underrated play-by-play guys of all time. Mm-hmm. And so that combination, they got to use that combination for a bit around this time. But, yeah, there was something about this pay-per-view, especially like the opening I talked about, how they, you know, on such a complex main event match, they were able to simplify it mm. as best as they could. And But it, it's entertaining. Like the three of them, Dusty with his energy, Bobby with... His smartassery, <laughs> and I that word, and, smart and Tony trying to keep the pace. It, it was a great combination. It was a great trio.
2: It was. There was actually a dark match that we didn't see on the pay per view: Ice Train versus Matt. We
0: need more Ice Train. Do we though? Yes, I love Ice Train. I might be the only one, but I love Ice Train. Fire remember, and Ice do you was remember, an underrated tag team. Remember his
3: name after Ice Train.
0: He was, um, he was like, um, Ernest Miller's bodyguard or something, wasn't he? I didn't say what role he was. I, I don't remember his name, his name though. M.I. Smooth.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good one. I like I, that.
1: I think I'm about to retire over there.
2: He's <laughs> taking off I'm his I'm headphones, people. Oh, oh, we're losing him. We're losing, we're losing <laughs> Kaufman.
3: <laughs> Fire and ice was it. Well, All right, let's, let's, not on not the team, but I think they could have done more with him. This chair's
2: yeah. really high. I can't. <laughs> you can't get I'm, out? I'm
1: stepping down. I'm stepping you down. You are
2: trapped. So let's talk about... Um, The next two matches are for the heavyweight title, no DQ, U.S. uh, US title, U.S. heavyweight title, (laughs) Guerrero versus Dean Malenko, and then another singles match, Psychosis versus Ultimo Dragon, Dragon. and Eric said about both of these matches that these are, they kind of set the tone, that anyone who wants to wrestle now should go back and look at these matches, Mm -hmm. that this is exactly the kind of stuff that was very influential at that time. Agreed? Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think this is the best way to open a show. Oh, like absolutely! This. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked a lot on this show about Malenko and Guerrero and mm-hmm. various matches. We haven't gotten to talk too much about Ultimate Dragon. I don't think we've talked at all about Psychosis. No. And and yeah, I mean, you know, having those two matches back to back, just getting the crowd going in. They're such fast-paced, intense matches, but completely different from one another. And and I mean, yeah, I just mentioned. Tony Schiavone underrated as a play by play guy. I feel like Psychosis might have been the most underrated cruiserweight because he doesn't nearly, nearly get the love as Mysterio and Hoovy and Malenko and Guerrero and Jericho and all the O's. And, <laughs> um, and but Psychosis was there through that whole whole time, and he had some amazing matches over El Dandy, maybe over El Dandy, all right. maybe.
1: Well, I think you're citing a cruiserweight problem in gen- like wrestling is still struggling with is that you can all- the second you say that there's a weight limit sure. you 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 ultimately narrow your roster that to- you you you're explained right. you explained pretty much every cruiserweight psychosis ever fought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Laporte.
1: Well, yeah, sorry, LaParca <laughs> like we were all bomb, but like 205 live is suffering this right now that it's like so it's Buddy Murphy and then everybody has this giant wide eight-week gauntlet to lose to Buddy Murphy. And then you build somebody yeah. up to lose to Buddy Murphy. Like you, there's not. It's very formulaic, and it's they do great matches in spite of how formulaic it is. And I think that's similar to the problem WCW had with cruiserweights. I
3: disagree, really, because I think I mean as opposed to Buddy Murphy. Now I don't think it was like that back then.
1: I think at any given time anybody can win that championship. I don't think anybody was being fed to one specific cruiserweight. Well, I, but the problem. I think it's better this way, that everyone's f- being fed to Buddy Murphy, because at a, at a certain point, someone will actually beat Buddy Murphy, And that, whereas what WCW did was everyone got their chance with the Cruiserweight title. Not El Dandy. Well, okay, it most, been El Dandy. most of the people who came through as big deal Cruiserweights got their time with the Cruiserweight title, and then would lose it, and then someone else would come through, and then it would be a similar revolving cyclical thing, which isn't noticeable if there are 50 guys in a division. It's super noticeable when there's
0: eight. And Bret Hart tried to give El a heavyweight title shot.
1: He really did. <laughs>
2: and Buddy Murphy weighs 215 pounds and it hasn't kept him out of the cruiser rate. What? 215. Actually,
3: Cedric, that's all I gotta say about that. I think he walks at 230, but we're,
1: <laughs> we're in the weeds.
2: Well, along with the idea that those two matches were great, they... Eric does kind of say, but you know, finishes were not our strong point at WCW at this time. He says even the um, Psychosis Ultimo, Ultimo Dragon finish was a little anticlimactic. I thought it was interesting to hear him say that, because that seems like something that would have been noticed and addressed at the time. And, and also, is that something that when once he said that, have you guys ever noticed that before? Or once he said it, did you go, "Oh yeah, you're right. The finishes are a little wonky."
3: I think back then we would never notice. No, but I think now looking back, I mean, I still I think it was fine. But you kind of notice that, like, oh, the last match ended in a roll up too. Oh, the yeah. last match ended in, and oh, it had a table spot as well. Like hey, we kind of notice those things now. But I think back then, like
0: I would have never even noticed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Now it comes to a point where I mean, we where we have all this access to look at all these. Older matches and things like that. All of a sudden, we watch a WWE pay per view and it's like, oh, that's the same finish that happened on this thing last year. Mm-hmm. Because we, if we ever want to go back and watch it, we can. So it makes the fans more knowledgeable, which it makes the finishes more difficult to be creative on. So back then, 1997, we didn't think anything of it. We're like, oh, that was cool. Now looking back, is oh, they did that again. Oh, they, didn't, they just did that last month, and you know things like that.
2: We get so judgy in our old age. We do.
1: Also, while we're melding the the Bruce Pritchard Eric Bischoff universes, <laughs> Bruce Pritchard and I on thought many, we stopped doing that. Hey, Bruce,
2: they did it this weekend. Bruce
1: yeah. Pritchard has mentioned on multiple occasions that Dusty Rhodes is one of the best Finnish men he ever knew. And Dusty Rhodes was in WCW in 1997. <laughs> yeah. Was he, he as a Finnish man, though? No, he was on commentary. Yeah, he was just on He was on okay, commentary. Like, it. no one knew in 97 that they actually did have a great Finnish man. Mm. But he, they just didn't think to ask him. He was right there the whole time. Calls okay. coming from inside the
4: home. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about this one out of out of left field, out of nowhere? Rob Van Dam Damme's Glacier?
4: No. Whew. You oh guys God. think that, that would have worked? No. Eric says he never
2: talked to him about it anyway.
3: Same thing. I think the, uh, the other one, Tommy Dreamer, as Scotty Riggs. Yeah. <laughs> that <one laughs> oh
1: would have been fun. My because,
3: God. In, like, early Tommy Dreamer, he, I think he had the suspenders. He really yeah, did. He like, did. Like, yeah.
1: Early Tommy Dreamer was as close to a heartthrob as you'd ever see in ECW. Yeah. Like, that was, he was ECW's heartthrob, which meant a lot. But, like, Honestly, I don't think this would have hurt Rob's career as much as we think. Because he would have been in a mask. He no, would have been in a mask would have failed. I
0: don't know. Glacier no, didn't have a mask. Glacier didn't have a mask. He came he out in a mask.
1: He just looked
3: like Sub-Zero. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone could have possibly made Glacier good. Because it was that <laughs> bad of a character.
3: Honestly, I didn't think Glacier <laughs> yeah. was that bad. It, I don't think it was that bad. It was just right
1: in the middle of the NWO. Yeah. So it's if, like, that's, that's why that's it That's stopped.
0: If it, if it was like five years
1: earlier, he would have been like a top draw. Yeah. Or in WWF in 96. Yeah. With, a, with an actual brand deal with Mortal Kombat. Would have also been forced to work because it would have been a brand deal. They, they paid for these matches.
0: Just imagine we could have had Wrath versus Glacier in WWF as Sub-Zero versus Atom Bomb. WrestleMania yeah, main event. There you go. Whoa,
2: well, oh my gosh, you guys! <laughs> Kevin and Scott almost ran our time machine off the road.
0: What? Hmm?
2: Did okay. you guys did you guys um, watch the, the promo on Uncensored 97 where yes, they where they the almost ran off the road? Yeah. It was good and Eric explained about this what I thought was interesting here. I mean I, agree. I already knew this, <laughs> but uh you have to have a reason for the camera to be there.
3: No, I, I completely agree. That's my biggest that's my biggest one of my biggest peppies in WB. When, like, it's, like, I remember this one time right before WrestleMania 22, where, right after Stephanie had a kid, like, Vince was talking directly to, like, the Mm -hmm. baby carrier or whatever, and that's like, oh, God, like... I don't know. Just I, I agree with Eric in every single way. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I wish they would at least acknowledge. That's why I, I kind of dug what they were doing in TNA. we kind of like it. Kind of looked like they was hitting cameras or just kind of hiding somewhere. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I completely agree. Like I, I, I wish they would at least acknowledge the fact that hey, there's cameras everywhere. Yeah,
2: and plus, it's not hard. You just put a nosy reporter with a microphone there, who is there to get the scoop.
3: I w- if only we knew someone. We I mean, <sighs> I heard Andrea and DeMarco is looking for a job. Oh, stop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Um, let's talk about Prince Iakea instead. Because I feel like that's a name that whenever it gets brought up here, you guys always have some sort of huge reaction. Well, well, one I, way or the other. I already had it.
0: I was, yeah, I was really happy about this because it was like one of our first first or second episode. I asked him about Prince Iakea. Yeah. And I love how Conrad just went off on Prince Iakea. And he... And I I completely agreed with everything Conrad said. Like I was not in the Prince I K at all. Like there and but at the same time I'm like I can't say anything bad about him. I just don't like him and I don't know why. And that was pretty much the breakdown. Like Conrad, I'm like that's what I was trying to say to Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what you did say Conrad's to Eric. Got you did I say that? You said those. Did exact- I say it just like that?
1: It's just you're not Conrad it- I didn't I didn't swear. Well, you, we you can.
0: I don't know how.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin Sullivan, liked the guy, according according to Eric, what's okay? I almost okay for lack of not sounding informed. Is Prince Ikea still alive? Yes, he's still alive. Okay, what is he doing? No idea. I was going to say, hey, what's that guy up to these days? And I wasn't worried you guys would be I like, no oh, idea. You know, I have no idea what he's doing. Ago. All right, well, I don't even think ever
1: even showed up in TNA. I feel like he's been googled a lot since Sunday night. I'm Probably.
0: gonna, I, I could Google him right now while you were to bring up the <laughs> next topic.
2: We'll do it later. <laughs> right. uh, let's talk about this main event. Cause we finally get Sting. There was a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of lead up to that. We talked a lot about that on this show. This is the one where he finally comes down and cleans house that was at the, the best end. Part.
3: I mean,
2: a three way tag team elimination match. Oh, the best part of this match that was Team Piper versus Team WCW versus the NWO. But there's so many guys there. See, uh, th- and this Dennis Rodman.
3: This is what I kind of dislike about some fan bases. They're like, "Oh, this match was a big cluster." You know what? You know, like blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, War games like a year ago had, like, three teams of three in Mm -hmm. one cage, you know? Like, oh, but it's okay when NXT does it, but God forbid WCW does it. I mean, I just think it was a weird double chance to have. have, And especially with the the talent. mm. Hogan, Piper, Savage, Big Show, Luger,
1: like, all these people in one match. I'm not opposed to 15 people in a match if the stakes are very clear and the rules are very clear to how it doesn't become... Fifteen of your top guys all fighting each other at one point that you don't know what to follow. Mm-hmm. Like a Royal Rumble works every year because more often than not you space it in a way where there's one or two matches happening at the same time. This was not that. What do you mean? There, there were stakes. No, no how, how do you say there the were stakes? stakes. So, the, st- the no, I'm rules, saying the, stakes the rules were weren't clear.
2: clear. The there rules of the match weren't clear. There are a
0: lot of se- there are a lot of different stakes. Yeah. If it was like all of them had like, you know, whoever won got to pick something. Mm-hmm. Like that's fine. It was, um, yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, Prince Iyakao is still wrestling. Oh. Wow. Him and his son wrestle and, um, um, for various um, independent wrestling promotions in Florida.
2: Wow, that's cool. No, it,
0: then this is a good Looking week for, for Prince Iyakao. There you yeah, go.
1: Yeah, heck yeah. We should find him on Twitter. See what see what he's saying about what tweet Eric him. Bischoff we'll is saying.
2: Him. All right, guys. Uh, speaking of Eric Bischoff, it's time to get him on the line. Do you Let's have anything you want to add about uh, Uncensored 97 before we do?
1: I
3: mean, the best part was the end. What were the stakes for Pi- Team Piper? If, if Team Piper wins, then Piper gets, like, a world title match against Hogan in a cage. But then
1: why would anyone else on Team Piper care about Piper getting a world title that's, match? I, that's why That's it the problem. Known. That's
2: yeah. my problem here.
1: And it's supposed to be, like, <laughs> Piper
3: and John Tenta and, like, two other yeah. guys. But then it was, like, the horseman inside.
2: Too many. All right, guys. Well, that was a, a fun little breakdown of uh, 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. And now, if you just give us a little moment, we are going to get the man himself on the line to answer all of your questions. Stay tuned.
4: Howdy, Eric. Hey, everybody. Hold on one second. Uh, Mics are hot in the studio,
2: guys. Cool. All right. Hi, Eric. How are you? We're great. How are you?
4: Doing great. My camera isn't working well. Hmm. Not sure. How does this look to you guys?
1: Uh, It looks, I'll be perfectly honest, like a floating head. (laughs) Um, So let's see if we can get...
4: Hold on one second. Remind me of
1: that.
3: Oh,
1: OK, much better, much better. Uh, is there any way we can get a little bit more backlighting behind you? Oh, yeah. He was the AD at this time, right? Oh, Good. There we go. That's much better. Oh, that's can I great. Have you, uh, can I have you tilt up the uh, camera just a little bit for me, please? There we go. Okay, much better. Now I noticed uh, with uh, last week's taping, or I know we didn't talk about this, but you may have noticed a little glare coming off of your glasses. I, I believe I noticed you were looking to your left a bit when we were uh, taping. I think that was why you were looking to your left a bit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, we're good to go. Thank you, Eric. All right, everybody, quiet on the set.
2: Stand by. Welcome back to After Eighty Three Weeks. Right now on the line, we have the man who was the executive producer of Uncensored in nineteen ninety seven. Hello, Eric Bischoff. Welcome.
4: Good evening, how are
2: you? Oh, we're so fancy. Well, we're doing great over here. We had a lot of fun talking about this show.
4: Good, we had fun doing it.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. a good one. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, cool.
4: was. I love a good mutual feeling
1: about just a good show.
2: <laughs> I love that, cool. Well, And you've been a busy guy. We want to kind of follow up from last week. You had a show with Bruce Pritchard this last week in your first ever live show together. How was it?
4: It was a blast. We had a huge crowd at Mohegan Sun. I think the biggest crowd either, obviously, Bruce or I ever had. Um, It was a great, great show. You know, East Coast fans are so cool. They're so into the business and so knowledgeable, and they're not shy. They will ask you things that you probably wouldn't hear in any other part of the country. They've got no filter. I love it. Being from Massachusetts, I agree with that statement. Mm.
2: <laughs> well, and I know uh, we talked a little bit about the Bruce's future and his podcast and all that, but you said you guys don't really talk about wrestling when you get together. Did you ask him about his new role at WWE? Uh,
4: yeah, I did. Of course I did.
2: <laughs> okay. You like to get the juice, too, just like we do.
4: Yeah, I, I well, I couldn't help but be curious. You know, for, Bruce and I became pretty good friends when we were both in WWE. We became better friends uh, after he had left WWE. And you know, without getting into you know details that are none of anybody else's business, you know, Bruce, Bruce Bruce went through a lot, and it was a big transition for him. For a guy who probably had been in the wrestling business since the age of 15 or 16 to, you know, reach the level that he did, get as close to Vince McMahon as he did, and all of a sudden find himself on the outside looking in. It's tough, especially when you've got kids and you're at that age, you know, when you're in your 50s, and all of a sudden, you know, you see your life pass you by and you're starting over, so it took a lot out of Bruce to, to be away from it, but, you know, he got his confidence back, and I think the podcast and the live shows were all a part of that, and he, he, he got his... He got his gait back, so to speak, he got his swag back, and uh, or swagger, I should say. And uh, he, he couldn't be happier, and I couldn't be happier for him, actually.
2: Oh, well, it's cool you guys got to hang out a little bit.
4: So, oh, we got to hang out a
1: lot. <laughs> this question is from at Taylor10255. Did Sting have full creative control over his face paint designs, or did he have to run things past you guys and the guys in marketing, etc.?
4: No, no, he didn't have to run anything. You know, we were people now are getting as they hear more and more about how tightly controlled creative is. And by the way, it should be not not dissonant. um, But, you know, people are becoming more familiar with the scripted nature and the process of, of WWE. And, you know, WCW wasn't anything like that at the time. Now, there were certain guidelines and certain things. Obviously, talent had to check with us. But no, he didn't have to have anything approved.
3: Speaking of Sting, uh, since this was the event where he finally chose uh, the WCW side, why was it? uh, Why was or how or when was the decision made to be at Starcade for that match? Not maybe the one-year anniversary of the NWO Bash at the Beach or Halloween Havoc, which a lot of people considered, you know, the premier event of the year. Why Starcade as opposed to maybe one of those other two for the Sting versus Hogan match?
4: It's a really good question, and. Looking back, I don't think anybody made a decision immediately when we wanted to have that match. We knew going into it the direction that we were going to go. We knew going into it, I knew specifically going into it, that I wanted a really long build. But in in the beginning of that story arc, uh, it wasn't like we said, okay, we're going to start this story now and we're going to carry it all the way through. Let's see, should we do it at Halloween Havoc? Should we do it at Starcade, Anniversary NWO? It wasn't like that. It was, okay, let's build this program, let's commit to a, a long-term storyline and then kind of see how it goes. In wrestling, and I think in many things, you you can't overly commit to a finite you know, end of a story, particularly when it's a live event, particularly when you get a weekly television series. You get into something much like Goldberg. You know, we didn't have the idea in mind that he immediately that he was going to go unbeaten for 173 or whatever matches it was going to be. It said, okay? let's launch this guy. Let's try to get over. Let's see how it goes and we'll figure out where we're going to go with it. And that was much the same with the Sting storyline. Once we got into it and we saw how well it was going, we knew that we could get as much out of it as we could. We decided to prolong it as long as possible. Uh, this past Monday
0: night, we uh, we lost another uh, wrestling legend in King Kong Bundy, who uh, who passed away. I'm I kind of have a two part question. Uh, one, it was around the same time with the with the infamous questions that Conrad asked you about Tatanka, where King Kong Bundy was available, and I was just kind of curious: a, if there were ever any discussions of trying to bring him in, and b, if you had any um, you know like personal like interaction or any fun King Kong Bundy story that you might want to share.
4: No, I, you know, I never, I never met King Kong Bundy. And this morning, you know, when I, I woke up, yeah, you know, I usually get up early like four or five in the morning and start going through social media and figuring out what's going on in the world. And when I saw that person this morning, um, you know, I was, I'm always, even when it's someone I don't know, you know, it's a peer, so to speak, someone in my age group or era in, in the wrestling industry, you know, it always kind of strikes a little different nerve. Um, uh, but I never met King Kong Bundy. But but based on everything I read this morning, you know, I'm. I, I, I'm a, it's unfortunate that I didn't because everything mm-hmm. I've read about him from people that I know and respect, um, really put him over as being, you know, just a sweet man and a good guy that treated everybody pretty well. So I didn't know him. Sorry to hear it for his family, his friends, his fans. And it's always sad to hear somebody's as young as 61 years old passing away like that. It's just way too soon.
2: So never any talk of bringing him in to WCW at any time?
4: Never. Not not, not, not even a syllable no. of a conversation.
2: <laughs> well, a little bit uh, happier story in the news today and uh, the last couple days is that one Tori Wilson has been inducted or will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes. Okay. What's your reaction, Eric? Uh,
4: you know, I could, I could have fun with this and say a lot of smart ass stuff, but... I'm really happy for her because she's one of the nicest people th- that I know in the wrestling business. I mean, genuinely nice. Mm-hmm. I saw Tori last about a year ago, I think, at an event. And that, she's not just nice to me, but you know, you, you get to really know what someone's all about when you watch them interact with other people, and especially people that don't even know. That's what I really kind of judge people or not judge them, but – I get a vibe for them, and just watching them interact with people that they don't know, or they don't have to try to impress, or they could honestly quite ignore in the green room or something like that. And Tori is just such a nice person. My recall of Tori working with her was number one. She's very quiet. You know, I I, I don't know her well enough to know if she's genuinely shy, but in my interactions with her and just seeing her backstage, she, you know, she's a very quiet a uh, person, borderline shy, but she's such a sweet person and she works really, really hard. You know, as beautiful as she is and as shy and demure as she comes off being sometimes, um, deep down inside, you know, she's, she's a beast and she, she works really, really, really hard and she's got a great work ethic and most importantly, she's got an extremely positive attitude and it kind of radiates you know some people have positive attitudes that kind of keep it all to themselves she kind of radiates a positive attitude so for all of those reasons and more i'm really really proud for her not proud of her because i didn't have anything to do with it she mm-hmm. did it all on her own but i I feel a sense of pride on her behalf for her
2: oh, that's
1: cool.
4: <laughs> so eric
1: when you mentioned the negotiation process with dennis rodman and wcw you said it went fairly easily I'm curious to know, did they come up with a too high number or like the actual negotiation of the numbers? Were you both close on value or was someone way off?
4: No, they came in under where where I was willing to go. I went into the negotiation with a number that I knew I was willing to risk um, or invest in this case. And when they came out and said, "Okay, what are you guys looking for? And the number that they threw out was actually below where I was prepared to go. Ooh.
2: Ooh, that's interesting. We want to
1: press you for actual numbers, but that feels like too much.
4: <laughs> that it, feels yeah.
2: rude. Let it hang for a <laughs> moment. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and he's not giving them up. So, on that note, Eric, we thought. I'll
4: tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you because this stuff has been published before. I don't like look. You know, Bruce never talks about money, even if it's things that have been published before, and that's you know that's just the way Bruce conducts his business, and I respect that. I don't feel quite the same way. If, if other people have talked about the money that they've made or it's been published out there and other people have talked about it, you know, I, I don't feel the need to protect it. You know, I, I, I paid Dennis. I you know, think the total the total fee was just a little over a million dollars, like a million mm-hmm. and change. Um, but that was for a number of different appearances. It wasn't just for one appearance. And I know that sounds like a ton of money, and it is a ton of money, by the way. It doesn't just sound like it, it isn't. <laughs> um, but in the big scheme of things, and based on what others, you know, Mike Tyson probably got three times that much. Um, other performers in WWF, you know, get much, much bigger numbers. And I knew, that, you know, the math I did, going into that negotiation, as I said a few moments ago, I had a number in my head. Because in my mind, getting Dennis Rodman would create a certain amount of buzz that if I had to pay for it, would probably cost me three times that much money. Mm-hmm. And and I couldn't even buy it. Some of the press that we were getting, and I knew we would get, even going into that deal, the press that I knew I would get from that, I really wouldn't even be able to buy. You can't call up you know, a, a your local rock station, wherever. My, in Minneapolis, it was KQRS, for example. Yeah. You can't... <laughs> You can't, you know, I couldn't call Tom Bernard over at KQRS and say, here, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you and Dark Star. Am I striking home here, Christy? A little I bit. like <laughs> Dark Star, you know, spend 20 or 30 minutes of your morning show, you know, when you're covering sports and all the things that are going on, you know, to spend, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes a morning talking about Dennis Rodman. I couldn't even pay for that. Yeah. But, but we were able to get it. And I knew that would happen. So, um, I was pretty happy with the deal that we made. So was everybody at Turner Broadcast.
2: Yeah, because like you said, he did make a huge splash, and so the guys here, they wanted to uh, debate and sort of pitch to you, besides Dennis Rodman, who they think was the most valuable or the best celebrity to kind of make an appearance in WCW, and then we're going to let you, of course, make the ultimate decision. Do you accept, Eric? I accept. (laughs)
4: I'll
2: accept. All right. So, guys, arguing the best celebrity in WCW besides Dennis Rodman, we're going to let our uh, last week's winner go first. First.
0: Oh, go the p- champ has to go first. The, the champ starts
2: the show. All right.
0: Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start, and they shouldn't bother going after because it's easily Jay Leno. Oh, I mean, one hundred percent, it's going to be Jay Leno. You talk about the mainstream coverage. Um, I mean, you obviously have ramen um, on, you know, Sports Center and all that. Jay Leno. I remember watching the Tonight Show and watching Eric and Hogan take over the Tonight Show desk. And then, you know, Jay come out with with DDP and, you know, issue the challenge. And because not only was this, you know, sports-related and wrestling-related, it's on Entertainment Tonight. Mm -hmm. It's on hard copy. It's on the the local news. It's on nightly. It's it's all over the mainstream. That might have, I mean, arguably might have been more mainstream for WCW than Ronman was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his match, maybe not the best. But... (laughs) It was still just like the impact of having the, literally the leader of late-night TV at that point be there and um, participate in WCW.
4: And with a, a, a vicious arm bar, I might add, in the
2: <laughs> Well, that one looked like it brought up some good memories for you, Eric.
4: It did. You know, we had so much fun taking over the – that whole process was so much fun. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the story very quickly. I was home in, in Wyoming uh, during the summer. We're still using Wyoming as a summer home at the time. I got a phone call from a guy by the name of Alan Sharp, who used to work for me in WCW as head of our PR. He said, Eric, you know, this guy named uh, Gary Considine wants you to call him regarding, you know, the Tonight Show. I was on vacation and I was finally to get from everything. I went, yeah, all right, I'll get to him. And about two days later, Alan calls me because he really, really wants to talk to you. I said, "Who is he again?" He goes, "His name's Gary Considine. He's the executive producer of, the, of Jay Leto's Tonight Show." And I went, oh, "Oh shit! I better get I better get back to him." So I called him back, and it was so easy. Jason uh, Gary said, "Hey, Eric, you know Jay wants to do something with you, and you know whatever it is you guys want to do, he just wants to get involved." So he reached out to you. You didn't reach out to him. No, he reached out to me, and. I went, wait a minute, Jay wants to get involved and will do anything, <laughs> anything we to do? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, all right, I'm, <laughs> I'll be in L.A. Tuesday. <laughs> I, like two days later, I jumped on a plane and I remember I was standing in Jay's office. And he's such a super cool guy. He's, he's so laid back, so humble. You wouldn't, If you didn't know who he was, you would never imagine he is who he is or back then especially. So I was in his office and I was, you know, I was like starstruck. It's Jay freaking Leto. It's oh, yeah. a Tonight Show. I grew up watching this stuff, you know. And Jay, Jay said, So, Eric, uh, you know, what do you want to do? I think, well, you know what? I'm going to shoot for the moon and work my way down, you know, because I'm, I'm just going to ask for everything and see what he says. So, literally on improv right? I'm on my feet. I said, well, I'm I'm literally thinking, I'm I'm literally booking this whole thing on the fly. I said, well, I don't know, maybe Hogan and I come down and we throw you off your set, take over your show. And, you know, you tell a couple jokes about him, which will piss him off. And that's why we're going to come down and throw you off, you know, your own set. And Jay went,
1: yeah, (laughs) I can see that. Yeah. I went,
4: holy
2: shit. (laughs) That was easy. Let's
4: do it. I didn't think he would do that. I thought it was going to be like, hey, I'll work Hulk Hogan's Corner or, you know, some peripheral celebrity kind of, you know, typical formula. Nope. He wanted to get in the ring. He wanted to have a match and he didn't care if we threw him off of his own set to do it. So that was pretty cool.
0: Oh, well. Top that, guys. Yep.
2: Great <laughs> choice, Christian Rosenberg. Um,
1: you're I'm going to sit back. <laughs>
3: George Ramosa. Well, I mean, because I mean, he just talked about all the impact that Dennis Rodman had, you know, with SportsCenter, the radio stations, so I'm going to go with the guy, one of his biggest rivals who kind of uh, showed up, you know, the following year, right after fresh of a three-peat after they faced each other in the NBA Finals and Carl Malone. I mean, that kind of the, the Finals had just ended, so people were still clamoring for their basketball. They wanted to see, you know, Malone versus Rodman one more time. He was on Nitro. He, he gave a wicked diamond cutter to I think it was Kurt Henning, mm-hmm. and he still kind of showed up for the Bash of the Beach, and I thought he had a great great show i thought i thought he brought in a lot more eyeballs uh from the from that wasn't just rodman base i think there were more uh you know nba base and sports base that's why i'll pick carl malone
4: carl was great another one really easy to do business with i really really like carl malone and his wife two really sweet people i went to his house in salt lake city um, utah to uh negotiate his deal oh. couldn't have been easier He didn't want any more or any, you know, it it was just an easy deal to put together. Let's put it that way. Now, what made Carl Malone so unique when we paired him up with Dennis Rodman is those two. I mean, the the public knew about it. um, or, Or I think they did. They knew about Rodman, I believe. But during the NBA playoffs, I actually could now keep in mind. Turner Broadcasting had the rights to the NBA playoffs, okay. right. So I had to be really, really careful how I conducted myself with regard to you know the NBA and Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. So I, but I took a chance and I got a hold of Dennis through his manager at the time, Dwight Manley, and I said, "Look, nothing during the game. I don't want to be accused of screwing up a game you know, the NBA playoffs. <laughs> But if there's any chance when you guys are kind of in between or if you're off court or, you know, near the court and there's cameras running, if you guys can, you like, push and shove each other a little bit, you know, kind of raise the heat, raise the temperature just a bit, I wouldn't be disappointed if something like that were to happen. Oh, so I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just telling you if something were to happen like that, I'd be pretty happy
1: about it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to jump in with mine very quickly, and it is David Arquette. I come with this, I come here with the splashy choices. He did a lot of good business for WCW at that time, including a whole movie that had a theatrical release. That's true. The movie, there were a lot of people who grew up with, their whole idea of pro wrestling was that movie that they went and saw and paid money to that's see horrible. in a theater.
0: That's horrible. I wish you wouldn't have told me that. <laughs> you just lost your argument right there. All right. So is it, um, is it so is
1: it I made, I made my choice, I made my case. So is it Leno or
0: Malone?
2: <laughs> yes, will will it be Carl Malone, David Arquette, or Jay Leno?
4: I don't want to bang on uh, the desk oh, <laughs> I I'd have to go with Leno on this one. Just
2: Boom! Two weeks in a row. Congratulations, Two Kristen time. Rosenberg. Two
4: time. You know, and, and again, keep in mind, the idea of using a celebrity, It's just like last night on Monday Night Raw, we saw two uh, comedians from Saturday Night Live show up and do a little skit and they're going to be hosting WrestleMania or do it backstage, whatever they are, WrestleMania. I mean, that's yeah. just, all that is, is press. All that is, is, is preaching outside of the choir and trying to reach people you might not otherwise reach. Mm-hmm. You know an audience you don't already have that's what that is it's not that they really add anything to the show it was a cute little skit actually i thought it kind of sucked like when they ran into the congo line at Mossby. <laughs> it's like what the hell is that
3: you
4: know, but yeah but here you're backstage at the shrine i mean wwe you know where does the congo line come from but it, it was silly it was corny it really had no value to the wrestling audience at all i think that's fair to say But where it did have value is outside of the wrestling business, to advertisers, to potential sponsors, to other celebrities who may be thinking about doing something like this and might feel more comfortable if they see one of their peers or somebody that they know having some fun doing it. So there's a lot of reasons why you use a celebrity, and it doesn't always make sense from a wrestling perspective. In fact, it very rarely does. Wow. Well,
2: that was fun and (laughs) juicy. Thank you for playing with us. Absolutely. All right, well, we are out of time for this evening. So, as always, it's been great to chat with you. Eric, you got any uh, any big things going on the next week or so?
4: Uh, not in the next week or so. Uh, Mrs. B and I are going to head up to Bozeman, Montana this weekend, hang out just a little bit, enjoy the scenery. And uh, coming up toward the, uh, March 22nd, Tony Schiavone and I and yes. Conrad Thompson are going to uh, be together again at C2E2 in chicago so you're gonna have a live combination of tony's what happened when and my 83 weeks and we're gonna get we're gonna to get together for the first time in 20 some odd years and put on a live show so that should be fun
2: oh that sounds great well enjoy your weekend and uh, we'll see you next week adios thank you Bye bye Ooh, all right, that was a fun game, you guys.
0: Uh, it's, it's it's fun when you win.
2: You are well, you are officially on a winning streak now. And on on that note, they are covering uncensored nineteen ninety five next week, so make sure you check that one out. And if they want to talk to you guys about it on the social media, where would they do that at?
0: Follow me on Twitter at well, @rosenberg, Instagram @diverrosenberg, ProSiebenDeutsch dot slash Christian Rosenberg, and I'm sure George's gonna plug a uh, wrestling pro wrestling show that's now on Twitch.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah! Twitch TV, uh, Wrestling Pro Wrestling, and we also have a show on March 29th at the end of the month. Uh, G Hermosa, G H E R M O Z A. Maybe we can watch him, have him watch my match from the last Wrestling Pro
1: Wrestling show. Maybe. Maybe whenever your birthday is. Um, I'm Steve Cutt. You find me on Twitter. Yeah. Almost. Almost exclusively at Steve Kopp, and that is K-A-U-F-M-A-N. I'm involved in a lot of uh, pro wrestlers' YouTube pages, including this one, youtube.com slash 83weeks. Support them by supporting me.
2: Yes, make sure you hit the subscribe button, and you guys can always hit me up at Christy Reports. I'd love to hear from you, and we will see you next week for Uncensored 1995. Have a good one.